0: Okay, um, yeah, I'm going to scrap half of what I've written and do something else instead. So bear with, if I um, yeah, if I just start um, not knowing where I'm going. Okay, so I was going to talk about something else, but I'm going to talk about this instead. Um, um, being a disciple is, I would say it's hard, yeah? Um, I'm one of these people who reads the Bible and kind of gives the disciples a hard time. And kind of sits there and kind of goes, you know, they're a bunch of idiots. Because they're sitting there and they're seeing Jesus perform miracles. And still they doubt him. And still they kind of walk away. And still they do things that are wrong and they're a bit stupid. Um, So, they, you know, they see him get a paralysed man to stand up and walk off with his mat. You know, they see him do all these amazing things. They see him walk on water. uh, And still they have times when they they doubt. Um, But I'm just going to look at actually what it is... uh, to be a christian what it is to be a disciple um and how that actually can be hard so uh, in john 15 18 to 19 i haven't given phil any verses because i'm rubbish at doing that um it talks about the fact that well in the niv the niv does like little um title sections for each of the bits of the bible so in uh, different verses it breaks it down for you and it gives some things a title So the title for this little bit bit of verse is actually said, it says um, the world hates the disciples. Which is kind of an interesting thing to say, isn't it? Yeah, it's kind of like, okay, when I opened that for the first time, I was like, okay, so the world hates me. Yeah, if I'm trying to be a disciple, I am aiming to be hated by the world. Okay, so interesting idea, isn't it? Um, it Can be quite an off-putting idea as well. Um, But it says in verse 18, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belonged to the world it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Okay, so, being a disciple, that's a whole other sermon, I guess, and um, what it is to be a disciple and what it is to follow Jesus. Um, and just to put it simply, is following his commands and following the Bible, yeah, and following him. Um, and we can make disciples of each other as well, yeah. And if, if you disciple someone, you teach them, They learn from you and they follow you and they trust you and and you have a relationship with each other. Um, So, essentially, like living together, yeah, living life through through with each other. Um, But actually, you know, that verse itself tells you that it's going to be difficult. Yeah, it gives you no illusions about actually, uh, people get this idea of, okay, I'll become a Christian and then everything will become fine and everything will become great and life will be really easy. Um, But it's actually the opposite. Yeah, you become a Christian. And life will be hard, and the world will hate you. And that's an interesting idea, isn't it? Um, it's an interesting thing that, actually, you're choosing to do something where people won't like you for it. So, actually, it's a difficult task, yeah. And I, like I say, I'm the one, the, one, one of the people that gives the disciples a hard time, that looks at what they do and kind of sits there thinking, why on earth would you do that when you've just seen him do this? Um, But when I thought about it and sat back, actually, we're all as guilty uh, as they are sometimes. We're all kind of in that boat as well. You know, I've had my times when I've doubted, and I've had my times when I've kind of walked away from things that I know I shouldn't have walked away from. And I've been healed, and I've seen things, and I've seen miracles, and I've still doubted. Um, Now, for me, like the hardest part of that verse is being hated by the world. You know, personally I've got family that aren't Christians I've got family that don't understand why I come to church I've got family that don't understand why we do what we do and for me, when I read that, that was really hard because they're part of the world so I was sitting there and I was kind of like, wow actually, you know, I'm doing something and the Bible's saying that I'm going to be hated by the world and that includes people I love and care about and it's kind of like, you know I'm just skipping bits because I don't want to talk about them now I think they're irrelevant um, that's hard, yeah. And people talk about that kind of concept of being um, in the world but not of the world. And they talk about being part of the world but not actually like everyone else and being you know, more like Jesus. Uh, and that's what, that's what we're trying to do when we accept Jesus into our lives. That's what we're trying to do when we let the Holy Spirit dwell in us. We're trying to be in the world but not of it. We're trying to be different. <clears throat> so I've just told you all, that you are hated by everyone else which is a wonderful start isn't it um, <laughs> but um, there's some important bits in there so Jesus says you know um, if the world hates you keep in mind that it hated me first yeah uh, and, and if you're in the room tonight and you love Jesus yeah and you know Jesus and you love him with all your heart and you've got that relationship with Jesus where actually you might know him a little bit or you might know him like your best friend if you know him at all yeah you've got, you, you know that it's different, you love him, yeah? There's, there's a difference in that relationship. Um, and if we know Jesus is perfect, we know Jesus is the son of God, Jesus is God in human form, so if the world hates Jesus, yeah, then I'm more than happy to be like Jesus and for the world to hate me too. Um, so we can take some solace in knowing that, you know, number one, the world hates Jesus and number one, the world hates the person sat next to you as well, so you're not on your own. Yeah? Yeah. Um, So in Timothy, it goes on to say, um, 2 Timothy 3, 12 to 13. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worst, deceiving and being deceived. So it says, if you want to live a godly life, they're going to come against you, they're going to persecute you. People are going to speak out against you. People are going to, you know, say bad things to you. So, you know, if you're at school, if you're at work, a lot of the time, kind of, people... People associate Christianity with kind of like this old-fashioned, irrelevant, pointless kind of tradition. And it's become a thing that's not culturally relevant to a lot of people. Yeah, so you're going to get a stick for it. Um, but early on in John 15, um, Jesus says this. So the first bit I read was from John 15, and then uh, 10 verses before it says in John 15:5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So like I said before, it kind of makes sense that we don't fit into the world. It kind of makes sense that we're not part of this, really part of this world, because Jesus wasn't, yeah, Jesus wasn't kind of, he wasn't like us, yeah. He was like us in the fleshly form, he was like us in the human body, but he wasn't of the world, yeah. Um, And if we're part of him, yeah, if he's the vine and we're the branches, if he's the tree and we're the branches coming off the tree, then it makes sense, yeah, it makes sense that uh, we'd be hated by the world. So the important bit in that is, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So really simply, it's saying, actually, if you trust in Jesus, if you let him remain in you, if you put him at the centre of your heart, Andy spoke a couple of weeks ago about your dwelling place, yeah. And he was, he got the big tent out and everything. And actually, if you, if you make Jesus the centre of your person, if you make Jesus the, the central point, like the anchor to everything else, then you'll bear fruit, you'll be blessed, you'll be happy, yeah. So it's possible to, to be hated by everyone else or be persecuted by everyone else. And I say the word hated, but I'd suppose that really, you know, it's translated from Hebrew, I've got no idea. It, there's loads, there's a like hundred different types of hate, and there's a hundred different types of love, there's all random different things, but it'd be the same as people disliking you for it. So, um, where was it going? You'll bear much fruit. You can be happy and be disliked. Yeah. So my friends, for example, for the last however many years I've been a Christian, have always taken the mick out of me and my brother. They've always taken us, you know, t- made jokes at us and, you know, made silly comments. But actually that doesn't affect me because I'm joyful in the Lord. That You know, I'm, I'm bearing fruit. Yeah. Because I know I'm doing the right thing. I'm stepping out. I'm speaking to them regardless of what they say back to me. Um, so it says that if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. So I'm keeping Jesus at the centre, I'm keeping him as my dwelling place, yeah? And, and then vice versa as well. I'm letting him stay in me and I'm staying in him. Okay, so... I think the important part about that is actually it comes back to identity and, and what you, you base yourself off. So, kind of what I'm looking at really, I guess, is kind of how do you combat those tough situations? How do you combat those times in life where it seems a bit dark and a bit bleak? And then you've kind of got the voices outside in the world that, that aren't helpful. Yeah, you've got that kind of outside influence that comes against you and says, you know, oh, there's no point believing in God because, you know, for example, Rasheen's been in hospital today. Yeah. So it'd be really easy for the devil to get in there and start putting people in there to say things against God. Yeah, to say things like, oh, well, why'd that happen? Yeah, when I was in hospital a couple of months ago, it would have been really easy for me to fall into that trap of doubting, of, of going, oh, well... Yeah, why would this happen? But if I make Jesus that dwelling place, that central point, that part of my identity that's essential—you know, the bottom brick to build off—then actually, um, it changes a bit. So, in our own strength, we can't do anything. It says, um, "I don't think I've put that one on there." No, I haven't. Uh, well, yeah, it says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Okay, so it literally means, you know, without, without God, without Jesus, you know, we're powerless, we can't do anything, we've got no drive to go forward. So keeping Jesus at that central point, will let you move forward. Um, okay. It then goes on in John 16:33 to say, I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So actually, despite all that kind of stuff in John 15 where it's talking about the fact that you'll be persecuted, and then in Timothy, you know, it talks about the fact that again you'll be persecuted. Paul gets locked up in jail and put in chains for preaching the gospel. You know, there's all these things that that look pretty bleak, actually. um, Jesus turns around and says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace, Yeah. So what he's actually saying is in the midst of all that, I've told you all this bad stuff that's gonna happen, and I've told you it will come, but actually you can have peace amidst that. You can have peace in the middle of the storm. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart because I've already overcome the world. Yeah. And this is before he's gone to the cross, I think. It's before he's, you know, he's even he's even done all that. And he's he's kind of turning around and saying, Oh, well, I've already won. Yeah, I've already won the battle, or I've already beat the world, I've already beat all that sin and temptation and all those voices that that come against me. So take heart in that, that actually the battle's already won and all this is just, you know, it's powerless, it's temporary nonsense. Um, So, in terms of identity and what you are and who you are, to be central in that and to to keep Jesus at the core of that, you've got to know who you are. Yeah, you've got to know what makes you up. You've got to know kind of um, who you are in terms of God as well. So, you know, Romans 8, um, 37 it talks about being more than a conqueror. Yeah. So it says, No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So that's a, for me, that's a pretty big passage there and it starts at 31 and goes through to 39 but we'll just look at the last three for now um you know before that they're talking about um you know who shall separate us from the love of christ should trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword you know they're saying can any of this separate us from jesus yeah ultimately can any of this come in between me and god can any of this earthly worldly stuff yeah, separate me from who I am in my identity with Jesus, yeah and actually, kind of all that stuff I've been talking about before you know, the answer is no, yeah if you root your identity in Christ then the answer is no and it's saying, you know, neither death nor life can separate you, yeah neither height nor depth, angels nor demons um, so the real key thing there is, is to be clear in who we are, yeah to be clear in who God wants us to be to be clear in, in what we are with God um so I'm just gonna reel off a big list of things you are, which is interesting. Um you won't keep up because I'm just gonna say it really fast, so it's fine. So in Galatians three twenty six it says you are God's child. In John fifteen fifteen it says you are Jesus' friend. In two Corinthians five seventeen it says you are a whole new person with a whole new life. In one Corinthians six nineteen it says you are a place where God's spirit lives. In Ephesians 2.10, it says you are God's work of art. In 1 John 1.9, it says you are totally and completely forgiven. In Ephesians 4.24, it says you are created in God's likeness. In Ephesians 2.5, it says you are spiritually alive. In Philippians 3.20, it says you are a citizen of heaven. In Acts 1.8, it says you are God's messenger to the world. In Matthew 28.19, it says you are God's disciple maker. In Matthew Matthew 5.13, it says you are the salt of the earth. In Matthew 5.14, it says you are the light of the world. In Romans 5.8, it says you are greatly loved. And in Ephesians 1.5, it says you are adopted into God's family. And there's, there's hundreds more. Yeah, there's, there's absolutely loads of things that the Bible will tell you you are. So actually, when you look at that, and you look, that was only, what, 15? That was 15 things you are, and there's absolutely loads more. Yeah, that was just a few. It says you're part of a royal priesthood. Yeah, it says you are loved. It says absolutely loads of things. So then when I, when I walk away and I think about, actually, um, you know, in those tough times where it seems like the world hates me, where it seems like everything's coming against me, back to the start in John 15, where it says, you know, the world will disagree with you, the world will come against you, you'll be persecuted, it says it in Timothy. Actually, you know, I'm Jesus' friend, I'm God's child, I'm a whole new person with a whole new life, yeah, I'm God's disciple maker, I'm the light of the earth. And actually, when you look at those things and you you kind of see them in perspective of a list, it kind of changes things a bit. It helps you to look at the page and quantify, actually, you know, the the world says this about me. Yeah, the world says I'm boring because I go to church. Yeah, the world says that I wear sandals and white socks and eat quiche. Yeah, the world says all these things. Yeah, but actually, there's a huge list. There's a massive list of things, actually, that we really are. And that's where we've got to root our identity. That's where we've got to take our ourself from. That's where we've got to take our, our core from, what the Bible says we are, what God says we are. Because that's more important than what the world says. So, in times of like anxiety or fear or uh, anger or just unknowing, yeah, where you don't know what's going on and you don't seem like you know you're part of anything, take those into account. Find yourself some verses that actually tell you what you are, tell you who you are. So, there's two verses that um, I use myself to kind of combat that, what we were talking about. and It's Matthew 6:34. is the first one, and it says, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough tr- trouble of its own. Yeah, I'm one of these people who kind of tries to think in advance all the time, and I hate surprises, and I don't like, you know, when Libby turns around and goes, Oh... Uh, we're having a surprise party or something. i like everything to be planned. i like to know what's going on. You know, i like to be structured and otherwise I get all, what, tetchy? Is that what you said? Yeah, so Matthew 6.34 helps me to remember, you know, actually when, when I'm uncertain in the world, when I'm in the middle of a, uh, what seems like to me everything's spinning around and it's a storm, that I don't need to worry about tomorrow. I don't need to worry about what's happening the next day because that's all in hand, yeah. And then the other one, Psalm 52.8 Um And um, it says, but I'm like an olive tree, flourishing in the house of God. I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever. And and for me, that actually, that's talking about that core again, that placing of your identity. The olive tree is in the house of God. Yeah, so it's growing, it's flourishing. Yeah, it's sprouting, it's growing. So if you're in the house of God, if you're putting your center in God, then you'll be like the olive tree. So that is it. (laughs)